Well, everybody says this is his last sermon. It scared the fire out of me. Uh, but not really so. It's kind of interesting. Yesterday we were out on visitation and the phone rang. And it was a preacher called me wanting me to preach the 100th anniversary of their church uh, later on next month. So I guess I'm not done yet. Uh, we're beginning our 55th year of preaching the gospel. We're going to get to preach in Scotland, Lord willing, a couple of times, so that'll be a blessing as well. When you've preached a long, long time, and you get asked to preach, and you talk to God about what should I preach, you, you have a big, big problem. I, uh, I do have some messages I've preached before. I do have a few things, uh, maybe along the line, in fact, got counting up uh, maybe, a, maybe a few thousand. And you wonder, well, what should I preach something I've preached before? Or should I uh, just beg God to give me something new and fresh in my mind or whatever I should do? What I do is I pray that God will just lay something on my heart that I believe God's people need. And that I'll be able to preach it to his glory and to his honor. I preached my first sermon in September of 1969. I was a wee bit younger then. Had nice wavy dark hair. And uh, things were a little bit different. And a much smaller waist. And a lot of other things just a little bit different. I preached at the Volunteers of America Mission on Larmer Street in Denver, Colorado. Now Larmer Street in Denver, Colorado is Skid Row. And the drunks would come in and they would sit down and they had to listen to the preacher preach before they could get a meal. So they were there and there was about 30 or 40 drunks. And when I say drunks, I'm saying drunks that I was going to preach to. So I had this big long message together that I finished in seven and a half minutes. <laughs> my first message. But there was a guy sitting about where Rodney's sitting over there on the one side, and all of a sudden he stood up back there. And I didn't know what was going on. This is the first time I've ever preached ever. And he started doing this. And then he started talking. And he said, Preacher, when you're done, I'm going to whip you. Now, right off the bat, that should have made a long-winded preacher out of me. <laughs> right off the bat, it should have done that for me. But God was good, and I got to talk to the guy afterwards. And of course, he, by the time the message was over and I talked to him, he'd forgotten what he'd said anyway, because he was pretty much... But the interesting thing is, and this is how people are, as I'm sitting there talking to him on the front row about his soul, he says, you need to talk to me, preacher. And the man stunk. He had liquor on his breath. He was filthy. Everything he looked at me, he says, that guy's a lot worse off than I am. Point to another man. That's how we think, isn't it? We always think that there's somebody that needs it worse than I need it. Well, God laid something on my heart out of uh, the oldest book in the Bible. If you want to turn with me, turn to the book of Job, chapter number 14. The book of Job, chapter number 14. Job, interesting, interesting book. It starts off the first verse. It says, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Starts just like that. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow 
and continueth not. And dost not open thine eyes upon such a one, and bringeth me into judgment with me. This is Job talking. He's talking to God. You know what's happened to him. Everything's been taken away from him. Everything that he's had has been lost. His wife has told him, curse God and die. Life for him is terrible. He's sitting in his own ashes with a broken piece of pottery, scraping his body to try to help some of the pain go away. And he's talking to God. I want to talk to you about three things that he said to God. He said two, and one of the real good friends of his that stood beside him there and talked to him asked a question as well. And I want to talk to you about three questions that Job, the book of Job asks that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, answered. And he answered them very, very clearly. They're hard, tough questions. But then when you've preached 10, 12, 14, 15,000 times, uh, I'm going to catch both these people in two weeks. I'll be 81 years old. Andy, you're still the youngest. <laughs> so you say what you want to say. And I just want to say this. I've stepped down as uh, assistant pastor here because it's my time, but I've not stepped down from God. And I want to thank Pastor Decker for the privilege that he allowed me to have the three years to work with him and do what I could do for him and for you people to church to be whatever blessing Jackie. Well, you know she's going to be a blessing. There's no problem with that. But I just want to thank you, dear people, for the joy it's been with you. And we're not going anywhere. Oh, we're going for a month, but we'll be back. We're coming back, you know, we're just like a sore thumb. We just don't go away very easily. You know, uh, often when any man starts a message, he kind of starts it with a question. And that uh, whether it be salvation or service or many other things, and Job did the same thing. Now, if you were in Job's position, if you had everything, you were talking with God, walking with God, you were a man of God that God loved, and God even says, that he's a special person. And everything's been taken away from you just in a very short period of time. Your children are even killed. Everything that you owned is gone. Would you ask a question? Would you be kind of maybe wondering what was going on? Well, I'm going to deal with three of these questions. But Job is an interesting, interesting book. It lets us see how fragile faith is. How fragile faith can be. You know, without faith it is impossible to please him. And they that come to him must believe that he is. And a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Faith is everything that holds us together. And here's a man, as we look at him, we realize he is a man of great faith. But it also shows the sovereignty of God. He looks down at Satan and says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, yeah, but you can't, I can't touch him. There's fire around him. He's safe. God says, I'm going to let you touch him, but you can't kill him. I'm going to let you touch him, but you can only go so far. We need to understand something. God is in control of our lives. 
He is completely in control of everything we do or think. The mighty sovereignty of God. And also it reveals the wickedness of the devil. Every time God raises up a preacher, the devil raises up two false prophets. He's wicked beyond measure. He's a liar. From the beginning can do nothing else. And we also see the wonderful love and the marvelous preservation of Almighty God. How that God takes care of those that are his own. And of course, it's probably the oldest book in the Bible. But then he asks some questions. And they're pertinent for right now. They're just as important as the day that we stand here right now. And deals with things that are part of our lives right now. Job, the book of Job, asks three very important questions. If you go through, he asks a lot more than just three. But I'm not going to go through every single question that Job asks. I picked out three. But they need the right answer. And the Lord Jesus Christ completely answered each and every one of these questions that Job asked. The first one's found in verse number 10. Look with me if you will. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? Now before I preach what Jesus said, let's pray together because I want to ask you something. I want you to do something for me tonight if you would. I want you to actually take the time to truly examine your own heart. We're sitting in the church. We do this all the time. We go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It becomes a part of our life. I've been doing it for 55, 56 years. But we don't get serious. We come in, preacher talks. Right now, even if I'm talking, some of you are thinking, I wonder who won the ball game today. Others of you are thinking, did I turn off the stove? Others of you are thinking, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Some of you are thinking, wonder how many points he's got. Wonder how long he's going to be. I want you to do something a little bit different tonight. I want you to examine your own heart. I want you to sit here as if you were a brand new Christian and just step foot in this church seeking to find something from God, hoping that you'll find something here and taking time in your own heart to listen to yourself and to listen to what God says. Because the answers I'm going to give you are going to come straight from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The one who loved you, gave himself for you, rose again for you, and hallelujah is waiting to come again to receive you to himself. Before I do that, let's pray together. Father God, in your word tonight, may I be true. But more than that, may your word be true. If there be a lost person here tonight, or a Christian that just needs help. No matter what it may be, Lord, let it be found that what you answered, what you said, help them, strengthen them, encourage them, help them to do what they need to do. Let the power of the Spirit of God rest on my life and heart and use me as only you can. Lord, I love you. 
You've been so good to me. Please bless this service, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes I have to look down very carefully. I don't know that some of you are just visiting. This church knows that, but I've gone completely blind in my right eye. So when I look, uh, sometimes the people over here I don't get to see. So if I, do, if I, so if I preach like this and look like this, that's because I want to catch you over here. But then if I want to get you, I've got to come all the way around like this to catch you over here because this, this eye here is just not working too well. But So sometimes when I'm reading, it does get a little bit blurry and I have to look down and check it out. But Job asked this question, man dieth. And where is he? Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 16. Very, very familiar portion of God's Word. The Lord Jesus Christ very succinctly, very completely, and very accurately described exactly where a man goes when he dies. He goes to hell if he's not saved. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. We live in the 2023. We're not supposed to talk about that place, are we? Somehow it's become a bad word in churches. But for some simple reason, the king of the world, the creator of all mankind, thought it was so very important that he spent a lot of time talking about it. And he spent a lot of time graphically Describing it, what it is and what it does. And he simply says that a person that dies without Jesus Christ, our Savior, has eternal damnation. The book of Luke chapter 16 and verse 23 simply says this about the rich man. The story here is about two men. Now, the modern day preacher will say it's a parable. We know it's not a parable because... Any parable that Jesus ever spoke or used, he never used a name. This parable has a name very clearly, the name of Lazarus. It talks about a man named Lazarus who was poor and feeble and had nothing and lay at the rich man's door and he died. It talks about a rich man who had everything but no Savior. And the Bible says about the rich man in verse 23, And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham, another name, afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, very clearly said hell is real. I heard the gospel for the first time in 1969. I heard a preacher preach it, and he made me mad as a firecracker. I walked out of the church, didn't curse him, but I lit up my cigarette, told my dear little wife, very pregnant little wife, pregnant with our first child, I'll never go to that church again. That guy talked about going to hell and dying. I came here because I thought I was going to get to go to heaven. Got in my car. Holy Spirit of God began working immediately. By the end of the week, I decided to give that preacher another chance. Went back and heard the same thing. Guess what he said? There's a hell. And this man, I don't know about you, don't know about you, don't know about you. This man couldn't sleep that night because 
I realized there was a hell. And I realized the way I was and what I was, I was going there. I didn't want to go there. And the next day, I asked him to save me, and he did. And changed me forever. Made me from a hell-bound sinner to a heaven-bound saint. But this man right there, Jesus says, hell is real. In Matthew 11, and 24, Jesus said, And thou Capernaum, which are exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which thou had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Jesus himself said that hell is real. Then he said some interesting things, like I just talked to you a while. He very clearly said, the people in hell will be able to see. Look at verse number 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Jesus clearly says the man is in torments in verse number 40. And the dictionary defines torments as a source of severe mental or physical anguish. It says this man was in torments, but he could see. And he looked, and he could see Abraham, and he could see Lazarus, but he was in hell. And he cried and said in verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Jesus said, this man can speak. He had everything he needed. He could see, he could talk, but he was in torments. He lifted up his eyes that way and he cried for mercy. Luke verse 24 says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Do you see what's wrong here? Are you getting this? He did what so many people do. He asked the wrong person. He looked at Abraham and said, come and help me. Abraham can't help you. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can help you. Aren't you glad? There was a time in your life when you saw the need for a Savior. I know that there are people going to heaven that went to heaven just because they wanted to. But in my many years of preaching, in my thousands and thousands of times of talking to people about their soul, they weren't so much worried about getting to heaven as staying out of hell. How important it is. And when Job asked this question, man dieth, and where is he? It's an important answer, and Jesus answered. You see, if he'd asked Jesus, Jesus may have answered like this, just like the man in John chapter 14 did. Jesus said, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If he'd asked the right person, aren't you glad there was a day in your life, hopefully it was, that you turned your eyes upon Jesus, that you looked full in his wonderful face, as it says, and the things of earth became strangely dim. And you just ask him, Oh Lord, oh Lord, save my wretched soul. He did me. And I can claim Romans 1.16 every day of my life. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, I thought about that thing with Sodom and Gomorrah. Every time I think about it more and more, he's talking to Abraham. Do you realize Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't destroyed because of the homosexuals? Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because there were not ten righteous people there. If there had been ten righteous people there, God would have passed right over that place. The importance of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The importance. Jesus declared that a man in hell wants water. I've been having a lot of physical problems in recent days. And I've been seeing heart doctor. In fact, I'm going to have some heart surgery when I come back from uh, uh, Scotland. But I, I've got a wife and a daughter-in-law. One of them's a sergeant and one of them's a sergeant major. And uh, they're pumping me full of water. Big things full of water. Drink this much water. And you drink it and they say, that's not enough. Here's another one. I'm drinking so much water that I've become dear friends with my bathroom. They're giving me so much water. This man just wanted a little tip of water. Hell is so real that he thought just to taste, just a touch of the taste of water will be different in my life. And he called and begged and called out for it. Jesus is the water of life. When I called upon Jesus that day, I'm like the... It says in John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth me, as the scripture has saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This man was tormented in flame. What a terrible, 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 terrible thing. You see, hell is real. Hell is awful. And he was unable to get out. He looked, but there was a great gulf fixed. Now we know that that's changed now. Paradise has been taken away. Jesus has led captivity captive, has taken those to heaven and glory with him. But there is one more answer to this. There was a fellow up there with Abraham. His name was Lazarus. And somewhere along the line, 
Jesus doesn't tell how this man had trusted Christ as his Savior. And while this rich man was suffering in hell, Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham, comforted, taken care of, in glory. I don't know about you, but heaven is very real to me. I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus. I don't know about you. I am so glad I'm never going to have anything ever to do with hell. One day, either by the pumping of this heart to stop, I'm going to leave this body and just go to the very presence of Jesus Christ. Or maybe one day, even like tonight, Jesus may step over the parapets of heaven and God the Father may look at him and say, It's now! He's going to look at that angel and say, But! And that trumpet's going to sound. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the air with him. And thus shall we ever be with the Lord. Lazarus is going to come out of that grave alive forevermore. I like salvation. I'm kind of in love with it. I'm glad it's a part of my life. He's carried, the Bible says that Lazarus was carried by the angels into the bosom of Abraham. I've been beside quite a number of people over the years that have died, lost and saved. I've seen lost people die with fear in their eyes. I was praying with a lady, Mrs. Brown. You all know Mrs. Brown. Those of you from Fairview, I was holding her hand when she went off to be with God. I never even felt her go. She just slipped off and went with Jesus. Heaven's real. But then there's another verse in Job that we need to look at. Look at verse number 14. Look what it says. If a man die, will he live again? This Job, first book of the Bible, he wanted to know some things. If a man die, will he live again? Well, Jesus answered it. If you want to look, find in your Bible John chapter number 5. Turns me to John chapter number 5. Look at verse 28. Jesus simply says this, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming into which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Now he says an interesting thing here. Do you remember what the Bible says about good? The Bible very clearly says in Matthew nineteen seventeen, Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. And if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now he said, those that have done good come to the resurrection of life. Now I'm not going to be too much of a smart aleck, but I am going to be kind of a smart aleck. I'm one of those good ones. Wait, 
There's none good but God. Right. But you see, I have God living in me. And there is a part of me, that part that was put into my life the day I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, that part that was put into me and sealed by that wonderful Holy Spirit of promise, that one that changed me from death unto life, that's good. And can be nothing but good. And because of that, when the time comes that this body is to be resurrected, the omnipotent, omnipresent, all-seeing, all-knowing God can see Walt Schmidt. And he'll take me, whether I'm in the grave, whether I'm standing behind this pulpit, wherever I might be in Scotland. By the way, I haven't told you this. If I do die over there in Scotland, just bury me over there. Don't get no stupid plane to haul me all the way back here. Six feet of ground, six feet of ground. I ain't staying there anyway. Amen? By that, by, by that, then anybody that really wants to see me, you'll have to take a trip. Of course, I ain't there anyway. That'll be just a shell. You know that old statement? He's been a nut all his life. Well, the nut's gone now. There's just a shell there. Isn't that the truth? That's with all of us. When you die, aren't you glad you're a nut? Ain't nothing but no shell there. Nut's gone. Hallelujah. Man dies. The unsaved will be raised again to meet their sentence. Yeah, I'm going to have to stand before God. I have a judgment. But it's a judgment to look forward to. If you've lived for Him, if they've done good, if you walked with Him, if you tried to serve Him, if you tried to do that what you want, for we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive a reward for those things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. Yes, I'm going to have to stand one day, but I'm going to stand there to be rewarded for the things that I've done after that I trusted Him as my Lord and Savior because my eternity is settled. It has nothing to do with what I do now. What I'm doing right now is just laying up treasure in heaven. What I'm doing up now is either laying up hay, wood, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. That's my choice. I'll get there one day and be rewarded for that. That's just what the Bible teaches. And have hope towards God. There'll be a resurrection of the dead, both just and unjust. And have hope towards God, which they themselves also allow that there'll be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Acts 24, 15. There's going to be a time when a man dies, will he live again? Yes. What about a lost man? Are you lost here today? Remember when I asked you to start off this service? I asked you to look at your own heart. Will you take an examination of your own heart right now, this moment? Has there been a time in your life when you realized you were a sinner? Has there been a time in your life when you realized that Jesus paid the complete price for your salvation? Has there been a time in your life when you, by simple childlike faith, just said, yes, sir, and trusted him? I'm going to tell you a little secret. I don't have a clue what I said. But whatever I said worked. Have you done that? 
Because Revelation 20.11 says this. And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for it. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But John 8, 29 says about the saved and shall come forth as they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. The Bible in Revelation very, very clearly says this in Revelation 25. But the rest of the dead lived not again till a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection on which the second death hath no power. Hallelujah. If a man dies, will he live again? Yes. But then there's a third question found in Job chapter 25 and verse number 4. Now this one was asked by the shortest man in the Bible. You know who that was. Huh? Bildad the shoe height. He was only that tall. He was only shoe height. He was the shortest man in the Bible. And he said this, How then, verse number four, How then can a man be justified with God? And Jesus simply said this, in John five twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. How then shall a man be justified with God? Simple trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Not my righteousness, but his. Not my holiness, but his. Not my good works, but his. Everything that I have, can have, belongs to him and from him. Do you all ever dream? Do you all ever think good things? I had this thought the other night. Do you ever have one of those ones you just wake up shouting hallelujah? I have hallelujah that wakes up. My wife goes nuts sometimes. I... I do crazy dumb things. But I had this dream the other day. I had, a, had this wonderful piece of paper. It was Walt Schmidt's. And it was the birth certificate. And I got to looking at it very carefully. And it said, Father, God, Savior, Jesus Christ, Clerk and Sealer, the Holy Spirit. Location placed in the Lamb's Book of Life. You see, that's what I got. 
I got a great birth certificate. My Father is God. My Savior is Jesus. And I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And it's been placed in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be removed. It can be seen there by anybody who wants to take a look. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Hallelujah, I'm going to glory. God save me, keep me. Can I ask you this? Do you have any of these questions? Did Jesus answer them for you? If not, would you receive him as your Savior tonight? Or if there's a spiritual problem in your life, will you get it right with God tonight? He wants to save you. And He wants to use you. And He will. If you'll just let Him. Three questions. Answered by Job. Asked by Job and Bildad. And answered by Jesus Christ. Very, very clearly. You ever hear that song? Sing it with me if you want. I'm going to heaven, can't wait. Going to see Jesus, can't wait. How about you? Make certain sure. I'm going to ask Pastor Decker if he'd come down.